Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope back on the show this week after missing last week's show. Uh, Griffin hosted last week's show with uh, Garrick Hodge, and both of them did a great job keeping you guys informed. So thank you, Griffin, for holding down the fort. Yeah, I did the best I could, but it's just not the same without Dan Hope on the program. So we're happy to have Dan back and, and hopefully all healthy now after fighting some flu-like symptoms the past couple of weeks, right? Yeah, getting there. Yeah, last last week I was uh, I, I had lost my voice really uh, over the weekend, and so if I had done the show, it, it wouldn't have sounded very good because my voice was still working its way back. So it was just best to have you guys did it, and I thought you know you guys did a great job, but getting better now, trying to stay as healthy as possible. Obviously, we're in a uh, crazy time right now with uh, COVID nineteen uh, really rearing its ugly head again, and. That's having an impact on Ohio State basketball, and we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. We certainly hope it won't have too much of an impact on Ohio State football in the Rose Bowl, but you know, certainly a possibility right now with the way that everything is going on in pro and college sports right now with, is it Omicron? Is that how you pronounce it? I keep forgetting which way you pronounce it, the new variant of, of COVID, but regardless, we are getting closer to the Rose Bowl. We're only 10 days away now from the Rose Bowl. And I still don't know how to feel about this game. I really don't. Yeah, it, It's weird because, you know, I think after covering college ball playoff games for the last couple of years, like there's just so much buildup to that. And with this game, it's like, oh, it's next week. And it's kind of like there's so much of like the conversation has moved on to – next year whether it be with recruiting or transfers or or Jim Knowles or all that but it's like oh yeah there's still a game to be played so it, it makes it a little bit harder for me to get a feel on this game because it's just not it's not the big topic that everybody's talking about right now but it will be next week when both of us as well as Garrick will be out in Los Angeles to cover the Rose Bowl and certainly you know, a game that, in my opinion, is important for Ohio State to win because I think if you go into the offseason on back-to-back losses, uh, there's going to certainly be a, a negative feeling going into the offseason off of that. And so you, you do want to get some momentum back on your side going into the offseason and talking to players this or last week, that did seem to be a widespread sentiment among the Buckeyes too. Yeah, and it's what we talked about when, of course, talking about the, the Utah-Oregon game and, and kind of a lot of Ohio State fans probably wanting Oregon to win that game just so that there was another level of injury. Because even if you look at the past couple of CFP matchups for Ohio State the past couple of years, there was the star power of Trevor Lawrence. There was the, the Justin Fields-Trevor Lawrence storyline in, in some of those games and and uh, Travis Etienne and and the, the Clemson-Ohio State rivalry. So those were those were other layers going into those matchups too, besides the fact that just it being a playoff game itself raised the stakes. So I definitely feel much like you that there's not quite the same level of, of hype surrounding the game for a lot of those reasons. There's, there's not the same amount of name recognition with, with some of the star players for Utah as there might've been in a different matchup as well. But, you know, we did get to talk to several Ohio State players. I think we got to talk to what, 15 players the other day. Yep. And it was the first time we got to talk to, to most of those guys since the Michigan game. So it had been a while and there, there was plenty to talk about and a lot of ground to cover with those guys, because of course, a lot of guys are still juggling decisions about their NFL futures. Potentially we still haven't gotten the final word on, on opt-outs for a lot of guys. We can talk more about that in a few minutes, but then of course, just even talking about the, the Michigan game itself, because with the headlines that have been made recently with comments from past Wolverines, current coaches, current players, there's been plenty to, to dive into. And then what, what were some of your biggest takeaways from what we heard from several of those Buckeyes in that big media day session at the Woody the other day? Well, I think to me, the thing that does make this matchup of Utah interesting is the fact that they play a similar brand of football to Michigan. If it, this is a team that's going to run the ball a lot and they're going to try to out physical you. They're going to try to uh, beat you down off a line of scrimmage. And we know that's what Michigan did. And Michigan did that successfully. And, I expect Utah to come in with a similar game plan. It may, it might not look exactly the same, but I certainly think, you know, Utah, when they have the ball on offense, you know, they're going to try to run the ball. They've run the ball 
they rank second in the country in yards per carry this season. So uh, this is a team that can really move a ball on the ground and they're going to force Ohio State's run defense to be at its best, to have a better day than it had against Michigan. And then on the other side of the ball as well, they're a team that's been strong against the run. They rank in the top five in the country in sacks. And so this is going to be another big test on both sides of a line of scrimmage for an offensive line that, you know, I think if you listen to Fayer Munford, it's pretty clear that they did take personally what Desmond Howard had to say about them at the Heisman Trophy ceremony. The defense, certainly they've heard all the criticism all year long and especially over the last few weeks. You know, you, you get a variance in responses. Like there's some players who don't want to even acknowledge the criticism and say, yeah, we're just focused on Utah. That's all we're worried about. And you have a guy like Steel Chambers who's like, yeah, I agree with what Josh Chad said. He's right. We did play soft. So you get a variance in responses. I mean, here's the thing I say to sum it up. Every player in that room has heard the criticism. Whether they want to admit it or not, they've all heard it. They all might take a little bit of a different tact publicly in terms of how they address these things and they're talking to the media. But I think there's no doubt they've all heard the criticism and they, they are fired up by that. You know, there's, you always hear the, the talk from Ohio State about we don't need any extra motivation, but it's been pretty clear if you just look over recent years, this is a team that usually plays at its best when it's got a chip on its shoulder, when it's got something extra to fuel them and, and fire them up. And I think they do have that in this game. I think, I think they do have that coming off that Michigan game, going into, you know, playing another similar team and wanting to make a statement because they don't, they certainly don't like the fact that people are calling them soft. They certainly don't like the fact that people are questioning their toughness and physicality. So I think, that is certainly something that they want to prove in the Rose Bowl. They want to at least do what they can to change that narrative going into the offseason. I, I think the question that still remains, I mean, there's, there's two things that still remain is one, I mean, we know this isn't the college football playoff. Nobody's going to fool anybody in, in saying that this game means as much as a college football playoff game. And so, does it mean enough for Ohio State? that we're going to really see them play at their best. And that coincides with the fact that we still don't know who all is going to play in this game because Ryan Day said last week that there are some players who are still deciding what they're going to do in terms of opting out. As of the moment we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon, there has still been no public announcement from anybody that they are going to opt out. But certainly the way Ryan Day answered that question suggests that there are going to likely be multiple players in my estimation who aren't going to play in this game. You know, we, we, we have heard from some players who have now confirmed that they will play in this game. Guys like Thayer Munford and Tyreek Smith, Zach Harrison, Dewan Jones, you know, Cam Brown, he confirmed he'll be back for another year. There's, you know, those guys who are either seniors or, Otherwise, NFL prospects, they all confirmed that they will be playing in the Rose Bowl. But there's still, you know, plenty of guys like Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Nicholas Petit-Frere, Haskell Garrett, Jeremy Rucker, who we haven't heard one way or the other if they're going to play in the Rose Bowl. So certainly, whether they do or don't is going to have a significant impact on how Ohio State is able to play in this game. Oh, Absolutely. And Dan, how much do you read into the kind of the tea leaves of the fact that some of those guys, we didn't actually get to talk to them at that big media thing because we got 15 guys and we were supposed to get Chris Olave as well. And we were all kind of wondering, you know, is, is this going to be his opportunity to kind of announce that he will be playing or maybe he decides to announce to us that he's not going to be playing in the Rose Bowl. But do you make anything of the fact that, you know, Garrett Wilson didn't wasn't there for, for interview NPF, Jeremy Rucker, guys that, that seemed like they could still be making that decision, of course, do you make anything of the fact that, that we didn't actually get to talk to them on that big interview day? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to read too much into to that because I, I mean, I think certainly all of you out there can, but I, I don't know what I want to read too much into. Well, these guys weren't selected for interviews. Obviously that means they're not playing. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, certainly the guys who were selected to speak to the media were selected for a reason. And that's because all of them were planning to play in the game. And so 
you know, I think it's, you know, it's obviously no coincidence, but everybody who did meet with Familia said they were going to play him a game. And with Chris Olave, I think you can read into that in two different ways. You, you could read into it, well, he was supposed to meet with Familia, so maybe he was going to come out and tell us that he was going to play him a game, or, well, maybe that's why he didn't meet Familia. You know, you, could, you can read it in either way. And so, you know, I, I think we just still going to kind of have to wait and see you know, I would think that by the time we talk next week, there might be some clarity in terms of did these guys even make the trip to to Los Angeles? So, you know, we'll kind of see how things unfold once we get out there. We'll see if, you know, any of these guys decide just to not even go or they could. I mean, you know, I've had you know people asking me like one thing I've reminded people is, you know, the last time that this last time an Ohio State player opted out of a bowl game was Denzel Ward. And we literally found out like 15 minutes before the game that he wasn't going to play. And so there's not necessarily going to be some big, and it could be when we get the availability report 90 minutes before the game, like that, that could be when we learn that guys aren't playing. So I think we'll get a little bit more clarity on, on guys opting out before then, but we, we don't know that for sure. I mean, there's a chance that we're going to go into game day, not knowing for sure who's actually going to play in the game. And then one of the guys that actually did confirm that he will not only be playing in the game, but also playing for Ohio State again next year in his fifth season is Cameron Brown, which is a pretty big, pretty big news for Ohio State because we've kind of been talking about recently with signing day stuff and, and, and transfer portal developments and everything like that. That cornerback depth was was becoming kind of a question for Ohio State heading into next season especially with, with Terrence Brooks, of course, the top rated corner in Ohio state's class of, of 2022, in terms of guys that were committed, he flips to Texas on, on early signing day. Also, obviously Eli Ricks is a guy that a lot of fans have, you know, Ohio state's been circling him for a couple of seasons now in terms of transfer portal rumors. And a lot of fans were kind of dismayed to hear that Ohio state was actually backing off of him. Of course, he ends up committing to Alabama out of the transfer portal just a few days ago, but Cameron Brown now in, instead of Ohio state, what, having to, to possibly turn to some very inexperienced guys, even though guys like Jordan Hancock or, or Ja'Kalen Johnson and what have you are, are guys that were very highly rated recruits as well. But now Ohio State is going to have Cameron Brown back next year, a guy that has a lot of experience, even if he's been injured oftentimes throughout his Ohio State career. And I think really in stretches played really well in, in downfield pass coverage this year for Ohio State, even if he kind of traded on and off starting games with seven banks and didn't often have the, the chance to, to show really consistently throughout an entire season because of those injuries he was fighting through. Yeah, I think Cam Brown coming back is really big because, you know, for two reasons. For one, the fact that, like you mentioned, that if, if they were to lose both Cam Brown and Seven Banks, and I talked to Seven Banks on Saturday, and he was kind of coy about what he was going to do. Like, he, he told me that the Rose Bowl should be his last game as a Buckeye, but then when I asked him if – he was considering using his extra year of eligibility. He said he hadn't decided yet. And then when I asked him if he was playing in the Rose Bowl, he said he hadn't decided yet. So I think he wants to make his own announcement. He didn't want to, he didn't want to make any announcement through me. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what he ends up doing there. But in terms of Cam Brown coming back, I think that is really big because, the, you know, I think, first of all, obviously the defense was a weak point for Ohio state this year, but cornerback play was not the problem for Ohio state this year. It was two years ago. It wasn't this year. And I think particularly when cam Brown was healthy, I thought Denzel Burke and cam Brown both had really good years. They weren't perfect. Like, you know, Burke had a rough game against Michigan, you know, Brown, you know, had his ups and downs at times, but I think when Brown was healthy, I think for the most part, he played really well. I think Denzel Burke, especially when you consider the fact that he's a true freshman who got thrown in there and started all 12 games. I think he played really well. And so I think you could feel really good about those two coming back as a starting cornerback tandem for next year, regardless of what seven banks decides. And then you get a vibe just the way people have been talking the last week or so that Jordan Hancock and Ja'Kalen Johnson have made an impression. I mean, just a way when, when I asked Ryan day on signing day about a cornerback position and, you know, he, he right away said, I, I think we had a home run with the guys we signed last year. And you just get a vibe that those two guys have shown something in the practice field, but even though we didn't really see them play, 
this year that Ohio State feels like at least one of those guys is going to be ready to make an impact next year. So, you know, I think Cam Brown coming back to me really changes the perception of how I look at the cornerback room for next year. Because I think without him, you look at, okay, they're really inexperienced serving Denzel Burke. That second cornerback spot's going to be a major question mark. Now I feel like, all right, I think they could have a really, really good starting cornerback tandem if Cam Brown can stay healthy. And then I think they've got some promising young guys behind them. Now, you know, with that being said, certainly you guys recorded before signing day last week. So you guys didn't get a chance to talk about the Terrence Brooks flip. I mean, that's a big loss to lose a guy who was your highest rated cornerback in your incoming class on, on signing day, especially when you couple that with, you also lost Jaheim Singletary earlier in the recruiting cycle. He ultimately signed with Georgia. So I think mean, not even so much for next year, but just for the long-term future, the fact that Ohio state lost two really highly touted cornerbacks that it was trying to sign in the recruiting class of 2022. I think those were big losses. And I think, you know, if you're looking at, well, you know, here we have a guy in Kerry Combs who, you know, maybe he sticks around as a cornerbacks coach and a recruiter if, if he wants to, but you know, he missed out on his top two targets at corner. You know, I think that's a valid uh, criticism. And I think that is something that hurts them to, to miss out on two guys of that caliber, not to say that Jair Brown and Ryan Turner won't both be good players because when I mean, we saw with Denzel Burke this past year, it's not always about how highly you're rated. So I think, I think they still have a good group of at that cornerback position, some really promising young players. On the Eli Ricks conversation, you know, I know I tweeted about this last week, and then I just ignored the replies because most of them were angry at me saying, well, why would you not want to add another good player? This would be my feeling on the Eli Ricks situation. Eli Ricks was not going to come in unless he was promised a starting job. Like, that wasn't going to – you weren't going to bring him in to – compete to be a starting corner you know if, if he comes in he's going to come in and he's going to start and with cam brown coming back you know you don't have you don't really have an open starting job and so i think if i, I know people are going to say well nick saban would take him and he, as he did but if, if you listen to ryan day the way he's talked about this topic ever since he's been head coach it's fit. We're only going to bring in guys that we think have a right fit. And we're only going to bring in guys where we feel like we have a need. And I, and I think, I think Ryan day just didn't feel like bringing in a guy to be an instant starter at cornerback next year. You know, a guy who could potentially just be a one year rental kind of guy. I, I just don't think that Ryan day felt like that was going to be the, the right fit for Ohio state. If, if Eli Ricks is an all American next year and Ohio state has issues in the secondary, will there be reason to second guess Ohio state's decision not to go all out in its pursuit of him? Sure. But, you know, to me, I don't think Ohio state is in, you know, dire straits and cornerback at all, especially now that Cam Brown is coming back. They are going to need at least one of those young guys to, to step up and be ready to play next year behind Burke and Brown, but I mean, at this time a year ago, we never would have guessed that Denzel Burke was going to be Ohio State's number one cornerback this year and start every game. So there's plenty of time for those guys to come along. I think there's reason for optimism about how things are going to look at that cornerback position. And certainly you feel a lot better knowing that you're going to have Cam Brown in that room. Yeah, for sure. And, and everybody that we've talked to about Hancock and Johnson have, have described them as dogs. That's been, that's been the, the, the go-to word that everyone's used to describe those guys. So I think there's certainly reason to be positive about the future for those guys, but it looks like they won't necessarily have to step into a starting role next season in their second year after not getting, honestly, a whole lot of experience this past year in their true freshman seasons. You know, a few weeks ago, I was saying when, when, when Cam Brown was going through senior day stuff, I was saying like, that did kind of surprise me because like, it seems like if he stayed for one more year, he'd have a potentially a whole year to be healthy and, and come back and show his best stuff for Ohio State 
that is what he's going to do in the end. Another guy on the Ohio State defense that was that was talking about you know his decision whether or not to come back next year, which could be a, potentially a big thing for Ohio State, is Zach Harrison, who he hasn't made up his decision yet. He will play in the Rose Bowl, of course. But he said that a conversation with Jim Knowles about kind of how the defensive system is going to work will kind of factor into to his ultimate decision. And then other guys as well, Dewan Jones on the other side of the ball, that's another guy that, that still could return or not. Dan, what did you take away from, from conversations with those guys this past week and your, your sense of, of how impactful those decisions could be for Ohio State? Yeah, I mean, it's always hard to, you know, know exactly where a guy's leaning because, I mean, Cam Brown talked to the media like he was going to go pro and then six hours later announced that he was coming back. So, you know, I think, again, sometimes these guys don't necessarily want to announce these things through the media. I think sometimes they'd rather do it, you know, their own way. And the world we live in now, I think a lot of times these guys would rather, you know, do it through a social media announcement or whatnot than to, to do it in a media interview session. So, you know, I think that's why you don't necessarily get a ton of straight answers when you ask those things in uh, these media sessions. But, you know, listening to Zach Harrison, I mean, he sounded like a guy who was strongly considering coming back. He, he didn't want to say which way he was leaning. So again, it, it could just be uh, misreading it or, or him intentionally, you know, kind of saying one thing and thinking another thing. It, it's hard to say, but he sounded like a guy who recognized that he still hasn't quite played up to his potential. And that if he wants to be that, you know, early round pick that he's long been projected to be, he's going to need another year. He's going to need a more productive year. Cause I know I've, I've, you know, I've looked at some of the mock drafts out there and a lot of them have Zach Harrison as like a fourth round pick right now, which is not what people were saying going into the year, but the reality is he just still hasn't produced at that first round level. And so I think for Zach Harrison, I think he's a guy who has to make a decision of, okay, do I just want to go pro now? And I, and I'm, and I'm, you know, okay with wherever I get drafted or, should I come back for one more year? And do I think that one more year can give me that chance to be that first or second round pick? Because, you know, I think that's really the, the, the question for him. Like, I think he's certainly going to get drafted if he declares for a draft. I think there's a good chance Zach Harrison will end up being a better player in the NFL than he's been at Ohio State, because I think he still has the potential to be a great player, even if we haven't seen a ton of production from him at Ohio state, but I think he's got to, he's got to kind of ask that question for himself of, okay, like, should I come back and, and really try to have that big year that everybody's been waiting for, for me and try to raise my draft stock, or should I just go pro now and start making money and, and let the chips fall where they may. So, you know, I think, I mean, I think that's a big decision that matters for Ohio state because, you know, if he does leave, uh, they're going to lose, you know, both of their starting defensive ends this year with, with Tyreek Smith also going to the NFL, you know, at the same time you have guys like Jack Sawyer and, and JT Tui Molowau, who you're going to expect to play bigger roles next year anyway. And so, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know that like they have to have Zach Harrison back, but I think uh, they'd certainly welcome him back. I think it would be good news for Ohio state if he does choose to stay. And in terms of Dewan Jones, it, you know, again, you know, he seems like he's certainly, at least giving thought to going to the NFL. You know, I, I mean, to me, and if you're just looking at it from a straight draft stock standpoint, the tough thing there is I think he had his worst game of a season in the last game. I think, you know, he really struggled in that Michigan game and he acknowledged that, you know, he acknowledged that and he acknowledged that that does weigh into his decision. I, I mean, to me, just, just from a pure NFL draft stock standpoint, I, I think Dewan Jones, the smart decision for him would be to come back for another year and to continue to develop. Cause I, I don't, I don't think Dewan Jones is ready to go play in the NFL right now. I think he absolutely has NFL potential. I think he would get drafted on that potential and he might decide, you know what? I want to start making money. I want to, I want to go, you know, test for pro waters right now. But I think in terms of his readiness to go to the next level, I, I think he benefit. And I think he probably knows that it would be in his best interest to stay and just, just based on talking about that'd be my vibe that I think he knows that, you know, he, he can play better and he still has development to, to do, but I think he's 
he wants to make that calculus of, you know, did I play well enough that I could get drafted decently high and, and start making money now, or do I really need to come back for one more year? I think that that is a big one for Ohio state, because if you look at, if you figure they're probably going to lose Nicholas Petit Frere, they're going to lose Thayer Munford. From talking to Paris Johnson last week, it certainly sounds like he expects to play tackle next year. And I think he will be there starting left tackle next season. But if you lose Dewan Jones, then you've got a you've got a big question at that right tackle spot. And I think certainly that's one reason why Ohio State was pursuing Miles Frazier, the Florida international tackle who ultimately chose to transfer to LSU. But I, I think if you were to lose uh, Dewan, I, I think tackle would become a big question mark for next season. And then you mentioned Miles Frazier, of course, and we talked about Eli Ricks as well. Those are a couple of transfer targets that, like we said, Ohio State was targeting circling those guys and and it was certainly thought that that one of those guys might end up at Ohio State another one would be the Oklahoma tight end Austin Stogner is going to end up going to South Carolina to to team up with Spencer Rattler there both guys leaving Oklahoma yes you know Ohio State's already missed on on a couple transfer targets and and of course Ryan Day said he wants to be kind of cautious with how they play the transfer portal this year but that doesn't mean that Ohio State still doesn't have needs that would seemingly need to be met potentially in the transfer portal when you look at a position like like the tight end position, because if, if, you know, Jeremy Ruckert leaving this year, where does that kind of leave you? There are definitely names in that position, but do you have the guy that suits all of your needs in that position? You don't really know. And, and there's, there's other, other needs that need to be met in just the, the 2022 recruiting class as well. You know, Ryan Day told us during that signing day press conference that there's still some, some kind of big needs that need to be filled after the early signing period and before the, the end of, of the actual signing period itself. And I know you wrote a, a piece about, kind of the, the last parts there, especially particularly on the defensive line and defensive tackle is a big position for the next month here. Uh, so Dan, you know, what does Ohio State, what are some needs that Ohio State still has to fill in to, to round out the, the kind of the 2020, 2022 roster as the uh, new year approaches here? Yeah, I think from a recruiting class standpoint, it's definitely the lines where Ohio State is looking to really fill out that high school class of 2022. I think on the defensive line, certainly, Ohio State is expecting to add at least two, if not three, more defensive linemen. Hero Canoe, Amari Abor, Kristen Miller, all of those guys are expected to announce at All-American Games in early January. Ohio State would love to land all three of them. I think if Ohio State lands two of them, I think it would feel pretty good about you know where, where it is coming out of that, that, the class of the defensive line. You know, I think Hero Canoe's probably the guy who's probably the most likely that they're going to get there. I think he's a guy that uh, there's reason to feel really good about him landing with Ohio State. Amari Abor is a guy that I think Ohio State has been a favorite for, but I think there's a little bit of worry, especially when you see like what happened with Quinn Ewers and what happened with Terrence Brooks. Like, could Texas get him too? I think that one might be coming down a little bit to the wire there, but. That's a five-star defensive end who they'd love to add to the class. And then Kristen Miller of a defensive tackle from Georgia. A lot of people have thought he's going to stay in state and, and sign with Georgia, but there seems to be some momentum there for Ohio state right now going into January. And so I think that's definitely, if you just look in terms of what they have in the class right now, the guys they have signed, what they most need is to add a couple more defensive linemen to the class. And I think they're in good shape there to do that. And then I, I also think they certainly want to add another offensive lineman, Carson Hinsman, who originally was going to sign during the early signing period, decided to delay his signing until February because he's genuinely conflicted between Ohio State and Wisconsin. I think he's probably the most likely target right now. Ernest Green, a guard from California, is another guy that they've been uh, recruiting heavily for a long time, but seems like maybe Georgia or Alabama's have kind of emerged as the front runners there in his recruitment. So there's no, there's no guarantee that they're going to land one, either of those guys, but I think they'd really like to land one of those guys to round out that offensive line class. So I think from a a recruiting, a high school recruiting standpoint, you know, those are really the biggest positions they could look to fill. You know, they, they could look for another cornerback after losing Terrence Brooks, but 
you know, if you look at guys they have offers out to, it's really the guys I mentioned are really the only guys that they have offers out to that aren't committed anywhere at this point. And so I'd be pretty surprised if they got back in the race for anyone else in that 2022 class, which is where you turn to transfers, which, you know, the, the transfer conversation is interesting because you know, Ryan Day did leave the door open when he talked at his press conference last week about the possibility that they could maybe sign a couple transfers guys that could enroll as soon as January, but it feels like they've already missed out on their top targets there because like you mentioned, Austin Stogner, who's the top tight end in the transfer portal. He he's going to South Carolina, miles Frazier, who's the top offensive tackle in the transfer portal. He's going to LSU. And so I, I think it, it may be a matter now of, okay, do more players enter the portal here after bowl games and, the other potential targets emerge because right now there's not really any obvious targets in the transfer portal. There's not, there's not really anybody out there right now. It's like Ohio state should go get this guy. I know a lot of people felt that way about Eli Ricks, but he's off the board now. There's just not, there's not really anybody in the portal right now that I look at and go, yeah, Ohio state needs to go get this guy. So do I think it's possible Ohio state adds a couple transfers here for sure. But Right now, there isn't one guy that I could say, I think Ohio State's going to go get this guy because it has to be the right fit is a thing. Like, And that's Ryan Day's been so big about. Like, They're not going to just go find a, a, a tight end of a transfer portal just to get somebody. They, they're going to look for somebody who, who, who's the right fit. And so is that guy out there? Is there an offensive lineman out there who could help him next year? Is there a linebacker out there? that could help them next year. You know, those are all conversations that are going to continue to be had. And some of that could depend too on what happens here over the next few weeks in terms of who goes to the NFL. And if more players enter the transfer portal. I kind of liked how Ryan day was, was talking about his, his philosophy on the transfer portal. Cause he was kind of saying, you know, developing players is, you know, a, a crucial part of what we do here. And if you're, if you just look for an, an already established or an already developed player to, to bring in that you've seen do it at, at a high level elsewhere and, and just, you know, take that guy and, and put him right into your lineup ahead of guys that you're trying to, to develop, you know, maybe that sends a message to, to, to guys down the line. And maybe that's part of why Ryan Day wants to be cautious. But of course, you know, I, I would be surprised if they don't end up bringing in, you know, a couple of guys from the transfer portal at the end of the day in this cycle, like we talked about with some of those needs there positionally. A silver sniper asks us how costly are all of these transfers to Ohio state next season? I'm not sure if he's talking about missing out on, on transfer targets or the guys that are, are I trickling means, out. I think he means guys who are leaving. Right. Right. And, and so, you know, just yesterday, the, the latest guy, a scholarship guy for Ohio state to hit the transfer portal was Darian Henry young, a guy from, from Princeton in Cincinnati, a guy who, who only appeared in four games for Ohio state, but you do see like, like even if it's guys that haven't played much Ohio state fans, react very strongly anytime anyone hits the transfer portal it seems to be like what's going on here is this a bad and we've talked about it before you know the the concept of is it a bad sign for the culture of the program or what does this mean that the guys are leaving guys are hitting the transfer portal you know i don't i don't personally think that many of the guys that have hit the transfer portal are necessarily going to be these if you're talking about Ryan Watts, Craig Young, I think that, you know, those are guys that definitely had a lot of upside athletically and, and everything like that and really created some kind of interesting hybrid position opportunities, if, if you want to phrase it like that. But I, I don't see most of the guys that have transferred out of Ohio State being guys that we're going to look back on next season and say, wow, Ohio State could really use that guy right now. Yeah, I mean, can we be honest here? Did, did you think Darian Henry Young was going to be in the defensive line rotation next year? I didn't. He wasn't even like thought of as. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a guy who, you know, if he had been playing this year over JT and Jack Sawyer, people would have been going, what the hell is Larry Johnson doing? So, I mean, it's, it's no, it's no insult to, to Darian, who I think is a good talented player and he's a good young man. I think he's probably going to be able to go somewhere else and play, but I think for like, I look at a situation like that, and there's absolutely no reason to be panicking over it. This was a guy who was going to be going into his third year. He had barely played at Ohio State. He still didn't have a clear path to the field next year. For him to go look for somewhere else where he can go actually play is the right decision for him. 
And I doubt Ohio State tried really hard to stop him from making that decision because that's just the way it goes sometimes. Like some, you know, I mean, we've seen this in the past, even before transfers became as big as they are now. Like sometimes guys just, you know, I mean, it's just the way it works. Like you're never going to hit on every single guy at a recruiting class. Every single guy you bring in and recruit is not going to go on to play a major role at Ohio State. And so there's always going to be guys in that position who just have to look at the depth chart and say, you know what, it is, if I stick around here, I may never play. So I'm going to go somewhere else where I have a chance to play. And so I look at a situation like that one in particular, and like, there's no reason to be, to be panicking or, or, or trying to act like it's something bigger than it is. I mean, it's just, that's just a matter of somebody who hasn't been getting playing time, wanting to go somewhere that he can play. And so I, I think like one like that, I think the the alarm meter is like pretty close to a zero out of 10 there on, on one like that, you know, I mean, obviously the Quinniors one is the one that's going to be talked about the most, you know, I think the other, the other ones, I mean, like, you know, so when we talked about the corner corners before, like having a Ryan Watson there could help them, you know, Craig Young is a guy who showed a lot of potential, but they never really seemed to be able to find a right role for him. And I mean, you, you look at like the kind of player he is like that, like safety linebacker hybrid, like you've got Ronnie Hickman, like you've got a guy in court Williams who like, I think should be in line to play a bigger role next year. I mean, you got guy, you got a guy like Sonny Styles coming in next year who could compete for immediate playing time. You know, CJ Hicks could even do some of that if, if you needed him to. And so I don't, I do not look at all the, these transfers and think, oh, these are really costly to Ohio state. And again, I, I think people need to step back and look at the big picture and, and realize that this is happening everywhere. I mean, the amount of players that are in the transfer portal right now, you know, I think Ryan Day said something like mind boggling or something last week about, you know, you know, this is unprecedented what we're seeing with the transfer portal. And the fact that Ohio state has lost five guys. Like I know that seems like a lot compared to past years, but nationally that's really not a lot like that's pretty much what's happening everywhere and so you know i think people just need to accept that that's a part of a sport now it's going to happen every year it doesn't mean there's a culture problem or a problem with the coaching staff or anything it just means that you know that's a part of a sport now that's something that you know Ohio state's going to have to deal with and i i think the one question i look at right now is I, I do wonder if it's going to be a little bit harder than maybe it's been in the past for Ohio state to get top players from the transfer portal. Cause I think more and more now guys are looking at playing time and where can I go right away and get playing time. And I think for, you know, some of these guys that we've talked about, they've missed out on, you know, those guys are going places where they're going to be for sure starters next year. If they came to Ohio state, maybe they weren't going to be in that position. And so, you know, I think that that might be the one thing that works against Ohio state and this, you know, one-time transfer world is that, you know, guys aren't going to be as patient guys are going to be looking for opportunities to play immediately. And I think maybe that benefits some of the non-power programs a little bit more in terms of them having more appealing opportunities for guys to come in and, and play right away. But you know, in, in terms of, you know, losing guys, I mean, it's just going to be reality. Like you're Ryan day knows it. Every coach in a sport knows it right now, but you're going to have to prepare to lose numerous guys to the transfer portal every single year. And it's something you're going to have to constantly navigate. And that problem is not unique to Ohio state. It, it's throughout college football right now. And, and Ryan day and the Ohio state coaching staff, knows that's going on, but that doesn't mean they have to like it, Dan, because one of my big no. takeaways from Ryan Day's signing day press conference, which we didn't obviously get to get into last week because we did our show before that press conference, was that Ryan Day really spoke at length and very candidly and open about his concerns about some of these new things in college football right now, which of course being the one-time transfer rule, the impact of that, because we're seeing more guys than ever before hitting the transfer portal, of course, as we've been talking about. And then another, another aspect of what he was saying he's concerned about is the, the name, image, and likeness stuff, because of course, of course, we heard reports, you know, with the Quinn Ewers stuff. I mean, 
Quinn Ewers coming to Ohio State in the first place was something that was based on name, image, and likeness stuff, at least a big, a big portion of it, because he wasn't going to be able to capitalize on those opportunities as a senior in high school in Texas. And he, you know, he wanted to get a jump start on those opportunities. And it's something that Ryan Day said, you know, Ohio State isn't allowed to, you know, broker those deals for the players. And that's something that, that is kind of concerning to him because it it brings in that 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 third party and, and what what influence does does the third party have on the player in a manner in which it could impact the team or and things of that nature. And you know, it, it was similar to, to, to some of the comments made by Dabo Sweeney, who who took a lot of heat for his comments. And it was funny to see that kind of as he always does, whatever he opens his mouth on anything. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was just funny because I you I think literally said in our in our work slack earlier that day that that you thought we would hear something similar from Ryan Day in reference to the Dabo Sweeney comments, that you thought we'd hear just like a slightly toned down version kind of of what Dabo Sweeney was saying about all that stuff. And we basically did. And I wrote a whole piece on it. And it was like Ryan Day really like spoke at length about all those topics and how he he feels, you know, kind of uneasy about it. But at the end of the day, it, it, he what can he really do at the end of the day? He ended up kind of saying, you know, it is just part of the job at the end of the day. And, and that's that's reality right now, even if, you know, one of his things was that maybe because of all the changes, he, he doesn't really want other things to change, like the early signing period. That's something that was kind of talked about as something where maybe they could nix that all together because it, it makes things difficult for coaches. But Ryan Day's like, nah, man, like the, the changes are already too much, too, too many changes right now. Let's just keep everything else the same because the, the current landscape is, is changing so quickly. Yeah, and one point I want to make, because during that press conference, the one thing that I tweeted out that got a lot of negative reactions from Ohio State fans was Ryan Day saying that Ohio State cannot set up name, image, and likeness deals for recruits, and there are a lot of negative responses to that. And my response to those responses is, what did you want Ryan Day to say? Because it seems like there's people who want Ryan Day to come out and say, "Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna set up deals for recruits." Well, that's an NCA violation. Okay, so he, if you if you want Ryan Day to publicly walk up to the podium and say we're gonna commit NCA violations, that's not going to happen. It's okay. Ryan Day is not saying he doesn't want. NIL deals to be offered to his players. To the contrary, I think he very much does want them to be because it's clearly happening in other schools. And I think it is happening. You know, I think Ohio State fans sometimes overreact so much that they think like, we're falling so far behind. Like, you know, know, it's Ohio State, okay? Players are going to have NIL opportunities. That is something Ohio State can sell. Ryan Day and Ohio State are not sitting on their hands while the rest of the country does this stuff. I, I you know, sometimes it, sometimes the responses from people just blow my mind a little bit because it's like, I mean, Ohio State is not sitting here. I, I know there's this perception right now that, you know, Ryan Day is soft and the team is soft and everybody needs to be more aggressive. I don't think any of that is true when it comes to recruiting and when it comes to the way Ohio State is approaching any of this stuff. Okay? I mean, Ryan Day has made it clear. He, he, he thinks team culture is a very important thing. And so he's not going to do certain things that he thinks is going to disrupt his team's culture. And people might disagree with that when it comes to bringing in transfers and stuff. But, you know, in terms of NIL, the, the reality is it's against NCAA rules for Ohio State to use nil deals as recruiting inducements so ohio state can't do that ohio state cannot be directly involved in setting up nil deals for players that doesn't mean ohio state is going to deter boosters from making deals with recruits that could help ohio state i mean you know and i mean oh I think Ohio state would prefer that none of that was involved in the process. And I think that's a lot of what Ryan day was saying is that, you know, the thing that he doesn't like about this, but Ohio state doesn't like about this is it's out of their hands. I mean, Ohio state can't control what deal a, a Texas booster might offer to a player they're recruiting Ohio state can't control that. And it can't directly respond to that. 
it's reliant on somebody else who likes Ohio State or some other business in Columbus offering a similar kind of deal. And it can't, Ohio State can't go to a booster and say, please offer this guy this deal. It's not allowed to do that. So I think that's the part that's hard for Ohio State. And that's the part that Ryan Day is really frustrated about is, you know, now you have these third parties that are able to get involved in recruiting players. And as a coach, you can't directly do anything about it. And so I think, you know, that puts coaches all across the country, not just at Ohio State, everywhere in a tough spot. And I think that's why Ryan Day, you know, doesn't like what's happening. But that doesn't mean that Ohio State is being less aggressive. I mean, I mean I'm sure there are schools that are breaking the rules. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not happening. I'm not naive. But when Ohio State, Ryan Day saying, we're going to play by the rules. You know, if, if if other schools, you know, decide to you know blatantly break the rules, Ohio State doesn't want to go down that route, and so, you know, that that's just something Ohio State's going to have to deal with. But, you know, it's it's not that Ryan Day doesn't want his players to get NIL opportunities. I mean, when he was asked about it, he made a point that he thinks NIL has been tremendous to our players. So he certainly wants recruits to get the message that NIL is something that they can benefit from if they come to Ohio state. It's just that Ohio state is not going to be directly involved in setting up those deals for players. And that's not because they don't want to, it's because they're not allowed to. Yeah. It's very, it's very bizarre seeing fans on Twitter being like, Ohio state needs to start breaking the rules to, to, to catch up to other programs and stuff. I'm like, I guarantee you wouldn't have that, that opinion. Like if, if some actual violations came down you wouldn't still be thinking that same way, but, but another, uh, somewhat controversial topic that Ryan Day touched on from that press conference was also he shot down any notions that he would be headed to the NFL next year. Of course, his name's been kind of circling around the, the Chicago Bears organization. And there was one report out there that something about his agent being involved, but Ryan Day kind of laughed at those reports when asked about that at that press conference and said, you know, I love being Ohio State's head coach. And he was asked again, you know, like, are you going to be Ohio State's head coach in 2022? And that elicited just laughter from him because he, he, he clearly seems to be focused on Ohio State. But of course, you can't help but ask that question because we've seen all these coaches, you know, up and leave programs that, that you never would have thought that people would just in the past few weeks alone. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that this conversation hasn't come up for the last time. I'm sure Ryan Day's name is going to get attached to NFL jobs again, and I'm sure uh, questions will be asked about it again. But I'd still be very surprised if Ryan Day left Ohio State for another job right now. You know, who knows? You know, the Chicago Bears job, I think, should be opening any moment now. And I, I think he's going to continue to be connected to that one because Justin Fields is the quarterback there. But I, I genuinely do believe him that he, he wants to stay at Ohio State. I also think Ohio State is going to have to give him a contract extension, regardless of whether you think he's earned it or not. When you see the deals that guys like Mel Tucker and James Franklin are getting, Ohio State is going to have to respond with a similar kind of deal. And I think it will. I mean, just looking at the fact that, you know, they're paying Jim Knowles $1.9 million, I think that shows that Ohio State uh, is going to be competitive in terms of bringing in top coaches and keeping them around. And so I do think that Ryan Day will be in line for a new contract here at some point in early 2022 but if ryan day leaves i'd still be very surprised now dan usually as we're kind of winding down the podcast we get into some hoops talk right some some buckeye basketball talk but unfortunately we haven't had any actual on-court action to talk about in the past week because covid has reared its head once again and canceled back-to-back ohio state basketball games ohio state of course was supposed to have that big cbs sports classic game in las vegas against kentucky that would be another a chance for Ohio State to beat Duke and Kentucky in the same season. I mean, that was going to be a, a great opportunity for them against a team that had already lost, you know, to an unranked Notre Dame team, but just one game before that. Ohio State did not get that opportunity, also had to cancel their next game against UT Martin, which was supposed to happen on Tuesday. It's going to be a 17-day layoff for the Buckeyes in between games. And, you know, it's like, it's in the middle of kind of the holidays. So it's like Ohio State would have some, some time, a little bit of time off anyway. But at the same time, it's like right when that, that layoff is over, you pretty much start the, the, the gauntlet stretch of Big Ten play there. And, and, and Ohio State 
is on this four game win streak right now and had a lot of momentum, especially coming off of that big blowout win over Wisconsin. And, you know, it could be a, a potential momentum killer for Ohio state. Potentially they still get a, a, a game to come back against new Orleans on the 28th to kind of see how they're, how they've been handling everything. But I don't, I, it's definitely not a, a great thing for the program for this uh, kind of pause in team activities right now. Well, you know, I just look at what's happened in the past with Chris Holtman's teams and it's been a pretty consistent pattern of, you know, they, they do well in December and they, they get hot and then they, they run into a slump in January. And so now it, I naturally wonder like, will this be the precursor to it? Like you've lost all this momentum. You've had a long layoff. Does this team come back from this layoff? looking like the same team we had for the past couple of weeks before it, or does it come back and look a little sluggish in January and, and kind of slog its way through the start of big 10 play. And I think that's something that Chris Holtman's naturally worried about right now too. Just the fact that, you know, you're going to go a couple of weeks about, you know, gameplay here, you, you know, you're missing out on, you know, a tune-up opportunity against UT Martin. You're missing out on an opportunity for another big non-conference test about, Kentucky and then really when they come back they're going to have one more non-conference game and then you know that's it it's going to be conference play rest of the year so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the team bounces back from that you know the good news is Ohio State is eight and two right now it, it's it's already gotten some big wins I mean out of conference it has wins over Duke and Seton Hall I mean in conference it's won its first two games against Wisconsin and Penn State so in terms of like a resume you can feel good about the resume that Ohio State has built up. You know, I don't think not playing Kentucky is going to be fatal to Ohio State's resume or anything in terms of, you know, when it comes to the NCAA tournament time. I think, you know, that would have that game would have been good experience for Ohio State, win or lose. Certainly a win over Kentucky would have really kept the momentum rolling and really been another big resume-boosting win. But I think Ohio State can feel good about what it's accomplished so far. I think the bigger concern is just when you get into that January gauntlet, you know, especially after having a long layoff here, are, are you going to be ready for it? Are you going to be able to keep this momentum up? And I don't know. I mean, based on, based on what we've seen in the past, like I think there's reason to uh, wonder, you know, how things are going to go in January. But I think uh, certainly Chris Holtman's job is to try to avoid what's happened in past years and to try to, you know, get that momentum rolling again once they start up again. Now, Dan, you have it written here in our, in our podcast notes that there is a certain reality that we have to acknowledge, but I'll be, I'll be honest. I don't want to, I don't want to acknowledge this reality, Dan. I, I don't want to put it in the, in the air that COVID could actually have some type of impact on the Rose Bowl next week. Now, of course, that could mean varying different things. It could mean certain players could be out or really the, really the reality I don't want to acknowledge is the game getting canceled or something crazy like that. Or, or somehow us not ending up in LA because I am very much looking forward to going out there for the first time ever. But, but what do you make about, you know, everything that's been going on? Obviously, there's, it's not just Ohio State that's been impacted right now, the basketball program, by COVID. I mean, it's, it's affecting sports all over the place. See, we, we'd have to think that there's going to be some type of impact, even if it's just a couple of players having COVID in the Rose Bowl. You said you didn't want to speak it into existence, and now you're talking about the game getting canceled and not going to LA. So, I mean, <laughs> you didn't have to say that. You didn't have to say that. I wasn't I even. I wasn't even going to go there. So you didn't. You didn't have to say that. But I do. I mean, I, I do think it's a, you know, unfortunate reality that you know we have to acknowledge right now. I mean, again, I I certainly do not want this to happen. I I, I hope I hope that the game is unaffected by COVID, but. I think if you're looking at the situation realistically, you, you look at what's happened throughout pro sports right now. I mean, you get a lot of games being canceled or postponed or guys being unable to play. And then you look at the fact that today players are being released to go home to their families. They're going to come back on the twice. I mean, you just look at the COVID numbers across the country right now. Now you're going to have players going back all around the country and then coming back together to then fly out to California for a week. To me, if we're looking at this from a realistic perspective, the likelihood that COVID isn't going to have some impact on this game next week, it seems unlikely to me. And that, that's for both teams. It's not just for Ohio state. It's for both teams. So again, I, I, 
I hope I'm just being overly concerned here, but I, I hope, I really hope it, it doesn't, you know, I, I will say that I would have liked if, if we had the opportunity to talk to Ryan Davis week to ask him how he had approached that with his team, you know, how they're approaching that. Cause right now we really don't know. We're not going to get a chance to talk to Ryan day again until we're out there in Los Angeles. And I'm sure that will be a topic that comes up when we're out there, but I, I don't, you know, we haven't really got any updates on, you know, how the team is approaching this in terms of, you know, leaving for the holidays and, and all of that. But, you know, it, it, it is something that's real and it is just a reality that it is something that could potentially affect availability for next week's game and whatnot. So again, I, I, I hope it does it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm, I certainly, you know, fortunately we have not yet gotten to the point of any bowl games being canceled. And so I certainly hope that, it doesn't get to that point. And I don't think it will, but I, I do think it, you know, to, uh, to ignore the fact that it's something that could potentially affect next week's game. You know, to me, that's hard to do just when you look at what's going on throughout sports right now. One football coach that's undoubtedly not going to have the happiest of holidays this uh, December would have to be urban Meyer, Dan. And we've got to touch on this because of course the former Ohio state football coach, national champion in Columbus, was fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars after just 13 games the other day. And let's be honest, it was a, a very disastrous and it was a very disastrous stint in general with Urban Meyer's career in the NFL. And did, how surprised were you by this? And what do you make of the entire situation? I mean, he, he, he really did nothing by going to the NFL other than kind of tarnish his legacy in my, in my perspective. Anyway, he, he had, he didn't have all that much to gain and it seemed like he had a lot to lose and did lose it. So that's kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting greatness from urban Meyer as an NFL coach. I was definitely skeptical from the beginning, but I didn't think it would be that bad. I mean, I, I didn't think it would be the absolute dumpster fire that it turned out to be with urban going just, I mean, it's not even a record. I mean, they went two and 11. We knew he was inheriting a team that had some problems, but it's just the scandal after scandal, the constant distract. The fact that when urban Meyer was fired after 13 games, it was zero surprise that the Jaguars chose to fire him at that point because it was inevitable. It was a decision they had to make because it was clear that there was so much dysfunction within the organization that, you know, they had no choice but to make that move. And so, I mean, I, I, I wasn't surprised when he got fired last week because it, it, things were clearly leading to that point, you know, especially once the report came out about supposedly kicking a kicker, but yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I never had particularly high hopes for urban Meyer as an NFL coach because I had never really thought of him as being an NFL guy. And, you know, I, I knew that maybe there were certain things about the way he coached in college that were not going to necessarily translate to coaching in the NFL, but to be as disastrous as it was, I mean, I mean, I mean, no way around it. Urban Meyer has had, it just had one of the worst coaching tenures in NFL history. And, and that doesn't change the fact that he had a ton of success as a college football coach, but it, it does stain his legacy in my opinion, because, you know, to, to, to go in, in, you know, if he had just gone to the NFL and he had two or three years where they didn't win much, but things, you know, there wasn't much controversy associated with it. That would have been one thing, you know, that would have been more like when Saban went to the NFL, but to go to the NFL and just have it be an absolute disaster from really the jump. I think that does hurt urban Myers legacy and, and because of that, I think we will see Urban Meyer coaching college football again because I think Urban Meyer has too much pride to let his coaching career end this way. And I know there's people out there who, who are convinced Urban will never coach in college football again because he doesn't like NIL and a lot of the stuff that we talked about that Ryan Day doesn't like and Davis Sweeney doesn't like. And I believe that he doesn't like that stuff. But – I just don't see Urban Meyer accepting his co coaching career any that way. I, I also don't think that 
power schools are going to be lining up to hire Urban Meyer right now, because I think right now is not the time to do that because of some of the things that went down in Jacksonville. And so I'm not exactly sure where I see him coaching in the future, but my feeling is we have not seen the last of Urban Meyer as a coach, because I just don't think he wants his coaching career to end that way. Dan, does that mean that we're going to see an inevitable return of Urban Meyer to Ohio State in the future? No, 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 that's not, that's not where I'm going with it. I, I, I do not think Urban Meyer will ever coach at Ohio State again. Me neither, me neither. But Dan, we're winding down here. El Guapo asks, we, 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 didn't, we didn't get to touch too much today on, you know, Ryan Day's comments on guys like Sonny Styles, Gabe Powers, who didn't actually sign until Friday, so we didn't get to discuss him at that press conference. But what position or role do you forecast those guys playing on defense? That's a question from El Guapo here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Gabe Powers is a really interesting guy because I think he's exactly what Ohio State kind of lacked at linebacker this past year, which was, you know, that bigger guy uh, who could play that Sam linebacker position and, you know, maybe play kind of a hybrid role. And I think that's, you know, where Ohio State is probably looking at him is, you look at Jim Knowles's defense. He had a position at Oklahoma State called Valeo, which was kind of a hybrid linebacker slash defensive end position. Gabe's going to have to put on some weight to play that position. He he told me on Friday that he's only two fifteen right now, but I think you know his frame and the way he plays the game. I think he's a guy who could be a really good fit to develop into playing that hybrid role. You know, to me, when I look at Gabe, like. I kind of compare him to like a Justin Hilliard in terms of what his game is. Like, you know, you think a couple of years ago, a guy playing that Sam linebacker position, you know, a guy that can line up in the box and play closer to the line of scrimmage and has that size, but is also athletic enough to go out and, and, and cover in space and well as well. I, I think that's the kind of skill set that he brings to the table. And I think it's a kind of skill set they really didn't have this past year. Like when people were talking about, oh, why didn't Ohio State switch to free linebackers in the Michigan game? Well, a big reason why they didn't is because they didn't have the personnel to do that. I think a player like Gabe Powers is the kind of player who could have really helped them in that situation with being able to, you know, be that third linebacker, be that Sam linebacker. So that's the kind of role that I envision for him. I, I think for Sonny Styles, you know, you look at what the bullet is in the current defense. I think that seems like a natural fit for him in terms of, you know, being a guy who has played safety, has played linebacker, you know, has enough size to play linebacker, but also has that a coverage skill at safety. But I think he's a guy who's got enough versatility where you could really do a lot of different things with him. And that's what Ryan Day said when he was asked about it last week. And, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different ways you could utilize a guy like him. And, you know, I, I think, you know, for a guy like Jim Knowles, to me, you look at Sonny Styles, you look at CJ Hicks, you look at Gabe Powers. Those are three guys right there who can really be uh, versatile chess pieces in your defense. And I think it's up to a guy like Jim Knowles to be creative and how to utilize all of those different guys, because I think those are all guys right there who you could utilize it in different ways if you're creative about it. And then maybe this is a good uh, point to, to, to stop on here uh, to put a bow on things as we're heading out to California on Sunday. Ask us, is it true that Randy Newman is required listening ahead of the trip west? But I'll also add my own question onto that and ask you, what are you most looking forward to about our trip to California, be it specific to Rose Bowl or otherwise? Yeah, it isn't for me. <laughs> is it for you, Randy Newman? I, I can't say is that. Is that like the, like the You Got a Friend in Me? It is. It is. That's the only Randy Newman song that I know. So uh, hoping <laughs> I'll probably be playing on repeat yeah. for us yeah. the entire time. Hoping I'll probably be disappointed in that answer. But yeah, I can't say it. It is for me. But yeah, I mean, I'm just looking forward to being out there again. You know, I'm, you know, again, I mean, let's, let's hope that like everything stays the way it's supposed to be right now and it's like a normal, bowl experience in-person interviews all that because we didn't get that last year even if the college ball playoff everything over zoom so i'm looking forward to just being out there getting to cover the whole bowl experience again i mean going to the rose bowl is always an awesome experience beautiful stadium can always think of the, the sunset in the background as you're getting into the second half of the game and you know the beautiful views from the press box of you know the mountains and in, in, in the backdrop you know the rose bowl is always a great experience covering the game you know being out there 
in LA. I'm looking forward to the uh, Lowry's beef bowl, getting a good meal there. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to be out there, you know, certainly not, you know, as exciting for people as a college ball playoff game, but I think from our perspective to get to go to a Rose bowl again, to get to spend the week out in LA should be a lot of fun. I'm very excited personally. It's going to be warm there. It still hasn't gotten like ridiculously cold in Columbus yet, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the change in weather, the change in scenery during the, the winter here in, in Columbus. Is this your first time going out to LA? Yeah, it's really, it's really my first time going West at all, other than when we were in Arizona a couple of years ago for the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. So be a first time experience for Griffin. My second time going out to the Rose Bowl, but uh, still very much looking forward to it. Sorry, we couldn't get to all your questions here. We're running out of time here. So, you know, maybe in the future here, if some of those questions still apply, we can get to them. But thanks to everybody who submitted questions. Thank you all for listening in. And next week, we will catch up to you from out in LA. We will we'll be out there. We'll be uh, recording our podcast out there when we will be in the midst of Rose Bowl week. So thanks again for listening in. And we hope you all have a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, whatever holidays you celebrate. Enjoy the holidays, and we'll catch you next week for more Rose Bowl coverage.